uh, good morning, everyone. Now that we've all written the names of the people on our piece of paper, I think we can all get up and go find them, right? Um, I'm, I'm always happy to, to be here, and I, I'm here with my wife. Um, Palesa and I have been married for, for almost seven years. Um, I, know, I, I, I know why you're not clapping. You're not clapping because some of you have been married for like 20 years. You're going, what is he talking about? Um, so we've been, mar- we've been married for o- almost seven years. Uh, October this year, we'll be celebrating our seventh year uh, anniversary. Um, for those of you that are married, you know just how beautiful marriage is. And I remember the first time that I met my, my wife. So on campus, we were both students at the University of Johannesburg. On campus, the Every Nation Church decided that we were going to have a, 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 a 24-7 prayer. So this 24-7 prayer, here's how it worked, right? We went and we booked a, a, a hall from one of the residences on campus, and we had that hall for the whole week. 24 hours, seven days a week, someone was in there praying. So every hour, someone would be, would be in, inside that hall praying. And uh, I was already contemplating coming into ministry. So whenever I went to the prayer room, I would go around and pray over other people, you know, because I wanted to come into ministry and I was exercising my, my, my gift to pray over people. This one night, I went into the prayer room and did as I usually do. I go around and I start praying over people and I find uh, Palesa in the corner over there. She was reading a journal. So I get there and I start talking to her. As I'm talking to her, I'm like, oh my goodness, this lady is beautiful. (laughs) I'm busy talking to her, but as I'm thinking she's beautiful, I start realizing, man, she's filled with faith. She's filled with so much faith. And I'm going, oh my goodness, this person is very wholesome. So now I'm stuck. And you know that that moment, right? I I remember it and I can capture it and I can share it to you today because I still remember it because it was impactful. Uh, a few few years later, yes, I waited a few years. A few years later, we started dating. Now, when we started dating, I was so excited that she said yes when I asked her out. I started an Instagram page. I didn't have an Instagram page at that, mo- at that point, but I started one. And the point of that Instagram page was just to show off the fact that I was now in a relationship. <laughs> so all my pictures were I am now in, like, I wanted everybody to know that I was now in a relationship. Sometime later, we decided to get married. And when we were getting married, we had this problem. And the problem we had was we could only get 200 people into the wedding venue. My goodness. I I know a lot of you who are married have experienced that. Because you want to tell the whole world. But you're being told you can only get 200 people in there. As I'm sharing, I can assume and I can see you're also thinking about the first time that you met your spouse. And you're thinking about the people that you wanted to tell that you now are in a relationship. Some of you are thinking about the first time your child was born and how you sent pictures to everyone to make sure that people know that something great has happened in your life. Some of you are thinking about the time you graduated. When you graduated, how you invited and told everyone that you finally had achieved something great. Some of you are probably thinking about the first time that you got that first job offer. And how you told your parents, you told everyone that life had just begun and how excited you were. 
Some of you who are single, you are just going, now you're just going back to all the girls, all the boys you've met, and you're thinking, was that the moment? <laughs> I think this is the power of social media because social media gives us an opportunity to share the great moments of our lives. And we get to share them to people. We get to show off the great things that are happening in our lives. But isn't it interesting that the greatest thing that ever happened to us is the gospel. The gospel is the greatest thing that ever happened to us. But isn't it true that sometimes, wait, actually, most times, we hesitate to share the gospel. The gospel is the greatest thing that we have, but sometimes... We are afraid to share it. Sometimes we don't even know how to share it. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at a person who was so impacted by the gospel that they went outside of themselves and they shared the gospel. And because they shared the gospel, their world was changed. Their family was changed. And the whole continent was changed. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that at the reading of your word, at the hearing of your word, and when we obey your word, we are transformed. Father, I pray that this morning you would put in us courage to share the gospel. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would show us that we are capable of sharing what you've done for us. Father, I pray for everybody at the sound of my voice, Lord, that they would know they would know that they are loved by you, that they are called by you, and that they would find the community that you've called them to go and share the gospel to. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Please open your Bibles to Acts 16. Acts, I'm going to read it from, from my slides. Acts 16 from verse 13 until uh, 15. And here's what it says. It says, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Tyatara named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened our hearts to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to come to our home. If, we con if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Sounds like a normal, typical story of a person getting saved. We just read this lady named Lydia. These people go to her, they preach the gospel to her, and then she gets saved. Sounds like that's what this text is telling us. The more I read this text, the more I realized, oh my goodness, there is so much happening here. There is so much happening here, and there's an opportunity here for us to learn from what Lydia did. Now, just to remind you, who is the us here that, that, that went to preach this message to Lydia? It was the disciple Paul and his friends. If you can remember carefully, 
Jesus says to the disciples, he says that they must wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they will receive power. And when they receive power, this is in Acts 1 verse 8. When they receive power, they're going to go out. They're going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to go to Judea. They're going to go to Samaria. And they're going to go to the ends of the earth. So the point of, the, of receiving the, 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 the Holy Spirit, the point of knowing about Jesus is so that the disciples could go out and share the gospel. Yeah. So what do the disciples do? They receive the Holy Spirit, and when they receive the Holy Spirit, they go out and they share the gospel everywhere. Now, everywhere for them meant everywhere that they knew. So they went to where they knew. So they knew Israel. They knew the Middle East. They knew uh, Asia. And they went all over that place, all over those two continents. Some of them went as far as Africa. Some of them went into India. They went to different spaces. Paul travels around all of Asia preaching the gospel. And then in one moment, the Holy Spirit opens the door for him to go into new territory, into a place where he had never gone before to preach the gospel. And this is in Macedonia. This is in Europe. So Paul, for the first time, he's preaching the gospel outside of what you and I would consider to be his comfort zone. And yes, what happens? Please go to the next slide. It says, on the Sabbath... We went outside the city gate to the river. So Paul had a way of ministering the gospel to people whenever he went to a town that he didn't know. What he would do is that he would go to a town. Like he would go to a town and once he gets to that town, he would go to the synagogue. The reason he would go to the synagogue is because Paul was raised as a Pharisee. What I mean by that and what we, we learned from what, who the Pharisees were, these were people that devoted themselves to learning the scriptures. Paul knew the scripture in and out. So he was in his element when he was around theologians. So we're talking about people like Pastor Carroll. People who just, like, if you love the Bible, if you love the word, if you just want to know what the word there means in the Bible. These were the people that Paul would, would hang around. So what would he do whenever he wanted to evangelize? He would go start with what was familiar to him. He would go start with what he knew, with, with the place that he knew that this was an easy place. But guess what's happening? He's moving into new territory. He's moving into a whole new place. And this place that he's moving to, there are no synagogues there. What was familiar to him is not there. So here's what the scripture tells us. It says, we went outside the city gate. Now, the reason they go outside the city gate is because they are now in Philippi. In, in, in Philippi, this is now in Europe. And there isn't, enough, there, there, isn't, there isn't enough Jewish people to have to have built up a synagogue within the city. So he then makes an assumption and he says, if there are not enough Jews to have built uh, a synagogue within the city walls, let's go by the river. Because if we go by the river, now, here's something else that the Jewish people would do if there was not a lot of them. They would go find flowing water. And they would start a place of prayer there. They would start a synagogue there. So he was like, okay, I can't find them in the city. So let me just go look by the river and see if I'm going to find them. 
he goes to the river. And when he goes to the river, I'll tell you what, what he finds there in a minute. But let me just tell you something very interesting. I, are you, all, you, you have to be listening to what I'm about to tell you, because if you don't get it, we're all there, right? You ready? The other day I was watching Mark Goldbridge, and Mark Goldbridge was speaking about how United was doing really well. I love the United stand. It's amazing. And when I'm done watching the United stand, sometimes I watch the United view. Now, the United view, some guys who left Mark Goldbridge and went to the United stand. And, but the United stand is great. But when I'm not watching the United stand, I watch Stratford Paddock, and I love it. How many of you got what I was talking about? Okay, if you got what I was talking about, raise your hand up high. Look, at, look around. I, I want you to look around and see. Raise your hand up high so they see you. Not, none of you got me. But they got me. Do you know why? They are my people. They are my people. We are Man United fans. We support Man United. I know it's been rough. We're not, we've not bought anyone right, right now, but we get each other even in church. Here's, here's what's interesting. Do you know, like right now, there are about 10 of us. We can leave this venue and go chill outside and we will talk for hours. You know why? Because those are my people. That's a space where I'm comfortable. I know things that none of you know. When Paul thinks in his mind and he says he's going to the synagogue, he's talking about his people. He's talking about theologians. He's talking about people that know the word in and out. And he can sit with them and discuss the gospel day in and day out. Friends, you have your own people. You have your own people that you can talk to them day in and day out. And none of us would understand the conversations you have. I cannot talk to those people because I don't speak your language. But you can. When we think about sharing the gospel, the thing about sharing the gospel is there are people that only you can speak to because they are your community. Only you can speak to a particular group of people because they are your community. So Paul finds this community. So the first thing, before you start sharing the gospel, you have to ask yourself this question. Where is my place of prayer? Where is my place where I rule and I reign and I know enough to talk to the people in that environment? For some of you, your place of prayer, your place where you rule and you reign, that's your family. You know what your children ate in the morning. You know what they'll eat tonight. I don't. But you know that because they are your people. For some of you, it's your work environment. You know what happens in your work environment that none of us know. You know what your co-workers are worried about. You know what their fears are. For some of you, as parents, it's the parent groups that you're part of. You know the frustrations. You know the fear that people are going through in that environment. You rule and you reign in that environment, and you can release the gospel there. So where is your place of prayer? 
when Pastor Carol asked us to all write down the names of people, I can assure you, you wrote people that you alone have access to. Well, unless you're a family. You as a family have access to. I don't. I promise you I will pray with you, but I don't have access to that person. You do. So you find your place of prayer. You find that place where you go, when I'm here, I know how to share the gospel. When I'm here, I know what they're worried about. When I'm here, I know what to say. But it says this, the, let's, go, let's go back to that scripture. It says, we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Now I mentioned Paul is a Pharisee. He's used to articulating the gospel to other theologians. And we can all make a good assumption that all theologians in that day were men. So he gets there and he finds out there's not even enough men to form a place of prayer. So the women there have stood up and they've started a place of prayer. Interesting thought. Jesus dies. Three days later, he resurrects. And the angels are declaring for the first time to humanity that Jesus is resurrected. Who's the first person? Who are the first people to hear the great news that Jesus is, has resurrected? It's the women. I'm a bit worried. That sounded like, are we sure? Yeah, 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 sure, sure. It was the women. Now, let, let, me show, let me show you something about, about the fact that it was Mary that received the good news that Christ had resurrected. Now, theologians help us understand that it's very important that we know that it was Mary who received this good news. Because it tells us that the story is true. Because back in those days, women were seen as unreliable witnesses. So if you were telling a story, you wouldn't say that the person who's going to share that story is a woman. Because you would be, you would be assumed to be wrong. So we know, and theologians tell us, that it is important that it's written in scripture that the women were the first ones to hear that Christ had resurrected. Because it helps us understand that this story is very true. There's another reason why it was the women who had the story first. And yes, the other reason why it was the women who heard that Jesus had resurrected first. The reason why it was important for the women to be the first ones to hear that Christ is resurrected is because the gospel is the story of God. And it goes from the least of this to the most of this. So if you hear... If you and I are standing here today and we are standing on the, on the shoulders of the great gospel that was, that was shared, that was told to the whole world, and then we process and we go, this gospel was told to the women first and women had no standing in society, then it only means one thing. It only means the power of the gospel is not in the person sharing it. The power of the gospel is in itself. It empowers whoever is sharing it. Can you? I, I, I hope you're getting me. 
the women, when they received, when Mary and, and the other Marys received that story and they shared it, everybody who's watching goes, oh my goodness, this can only be God. The same thing is happening here. I mentioned this is a new time. This is a new scenario for Paul. He's preaching the gospel in a whole new continent. This continent is Europe. Now, we understand theologically that some people in Europe had already heard the gospel. We, we make a fair assumption that, in, that in, in Acts, when they all went there and, and the Holy Spirit came down and they heard people speaking in tongues, some people would have heard the gospel. But this is the first time someone in Europe is hearing the gospel and it's women. God designed it so, so that you and I could look back at that moment and go, it can only be God. Go to the next verse and see something. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Tyatara named Lydia. I hope you notice that this is the exact opposite of what I just said. I'll show you now. I told you that the gospel goes from the least of this to the most of us, right? But now we hear that one of the women there was a powerful woman. Not only was she a powerful woman, she was rich. So it's not that the gospel is for poor people. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. It's not just for the least of these it's also for the most of this. Lydia was, was successful. It says here that she was, a, she was a dealer in purple cloth. Now, back then, this was a business that was very difficult to start. It would be like mining today. I mean, our country is a bit messed up. So, But back, like, think, of, think of the amount of capital that would be required for someone to enter this business. It required a lot of capital, but Lydia had the money to get into this business. So she was a successful woman. Sometimes we sit back and we go, the gospel sounds like a great story for people that are in need. But this proves the exact opposite of that. This does two things for us. It means that one, if we are the CEOs of our companies, we need the Gospels ourselves. Two, if we work under the CEO of our company, we should tell them the Gospel too. I'll say that again. It means that if we are the CEOs of our companies, we need the Gospel as well. But also, if we work for the CEOs of our company, we re recognize that they need the Gospel too. The gospel is for everyone. And then it says, it says, she was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened our heart to respond to Paul's message. Remember the story. Paul goes by the river. He's looking for someone. He's looking for a, a, a people that have formed the synagogue. He finds women, and he preaches to those women. He shares the gospel to those women. But only one woman is mentioned, and that's Lydia. Only one is mentioned, and it's Lydia. And the reason she's mentioned is because of how she responded. 
Friends, it's one thing to hear the gospel. It's another thing to respond to the gospel. We are called to respond to the gospel. So here's the question. What is your response to the gospel? What is your response to the hearing of the gospel? Do you just sit and receive it? And no one ever mentions your name? Or do you sit and receive it and you make a mark on history? Let's see what Lydia did and let's see what we can learn from what she did. Let's go to the next verse. Now it tells us that she believed, she responded. It says the first thing that she did was when she and the members of, of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. So the first thing that Lydia did, she believed. Lydia believed. Let's go to the next slide. I want everybody to see, to see it written there. She believed. Now, believing is not just agreeing to a set of facts that Jesus died. Jesus lived the life that I should have lived. He died the death that I should have died. Three days later, he resurrected from the grave, proving that he is the son of God, offering now the gift of salvation to anyone who would believe. Yeah. That's a statement of fact, right? Like I just said, a bunch of facts. But believing is not just agreeing with those facts. Believing is walking in obedience in reverence to those facts. So she didn't just believe, she showed her belief by getting baptized. Let me tell you why getting baptized for Lydia was a radical step. Says Lydia came from a city of Thyatira. Now to be in the business of selling cloth, back then, you needed to be part of a community. To be part of that community, you needed to agree to a set of values. Part of the values that you needed to agree to was the fact that your, pro your, your progress and everything great that you're receiving in your business is coming from the gods. So the minute you start saying, I don't believe in the gods anymore, you are putting your business into jeopardy. Now, baptism was not a secret thing that people didn't know about. Baptism was a public thing. So here is Lydia declaring to everyone, I am now a Christian and I don't believe in those gods anymore. She's putting her business at risk. Yeah. Friends, let me affirm you and remind you that your faith will put some of your possessions at risk. Your faith will put your life at risk. But radical obedience is what we are called to. Our belief is measured. We see your belief by your works of faith. So Lydia believed. Second thing that Lydia does is that she fellowships. It says that, that she said to, the, to, the, to, to, to Paul and his, his friends, she said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come stay at my house. Think about this. Lydia just received the gospel for the first time. 
She says to these guys, come stay in my house. Why is she saying that? Now, we would process today, would say, yeah, you know what? She's a good person. She's got enough wealth. She's got extra rooms in, the, in her house. She wants to help these guys, Shem. <laughs> we'll probably put a Shem there. Like, they, they're, they're, Shem, they're, they're, they're ministers of the gospel. They probably don't have much. But that's not why she wants them in her house. She wants them in her house because she wants to learn as much as possible from them. The power in sharing the gospel is attaching yourself to people that know how to share the gospel. I, I used to think I was an evangelist. I see there's an evangelist in the house. I used to think I was an evangelist. Now, an evangelist, you know, it's the person that shares the gospel all the time, but they also train the rest of us on how to share the gospel. So I used to think I was an evangelist, so I would hang around evangelists all the time. I realized I wasn't an evangelist because yes, what we would do, we'd say we're going to evangelize from four to five, right? We'd go from four to five and we'd share the gospel to many people and then we'd say, let's go home or let's go, let's go for dinner now. And as we are going home or going for dinner, I realized they are still sharing the gospel because they don't stop sharing the gospel. And there are people here sitting amongst us, wherever you go, you just want to share the gospel. When you're in a plane and someone is sitting next to you, the rest of us, we are on a plane, we just want to sit and close our eyes, we'll wake up once we land. But some people are sitting on that plane going, let me tell you about Jesus. And those people are here. I was fortunate enough that for, for a season I thought I was one of them, so I hung around a lot of them. And I learned stuff. That's what I did. I learned from the evangelist. I learned things that I apply in my daily life. So if you want a strategy on how to grow in sharing your gospel, find the evangelists here. Find them. I, 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 I promise you they're here. They're here. Now, if you don't know how to find them, when we go to, to on, on the mission on the 29th, just come. You will see them there. So I hung around the evangelists. Which brings me to the last thing that Lydia did is that she shared the gospel to her family. She shared the gospel to others. So I started sharing the gospel to others, but because I was hanging around the evangelists, I learned things from, from them. And I'm happy to come and tell you what they taught me. So here's what they taught me. They taught me that when you are sharing the gospel... It's very simple. You must just start a conversation. I was like, starting a conversation? How? They told me, and this is not me, I'm saying this, this is what the evangelist taught me. They told me that starting a conversation is so simple, anyone can do it. It's as simple as going to someone and saying hi. The conversation had started. You know, I didn't know it was that simple. I'm now an evangelist. That's why I thought I was an evangelist, because they made it sound so simple. It's as simple as going to someone and saying hi. And the minute you say hi, you've started a conversation because they have to respond, right? <laughs> so you start a conversation. At work, you just walk up to someone and you say, you're looking great. Okay, I don't know how safe that is. <laughs> you go to someone and you say, you know what? You did a great job with this project. You've started a conversation. For us soccer fans, we, 
would go, us Man United fans would go to Arsenal fans and say, yes, you didn't win the league. <laughs> We've started a conversation. The evangelist then taught me that once you've started a conversation, keep that conversation going by just asking questions. It's very simple. You just ask questions. Do you realize when you ask people questions in a conversation, they conversate back to you by answering the questions? Sometimes we think so hard, we're like, how am I going to bring the topic of God into this conversation where we are talking about Man United? I mean, if you're talking to a, a, an Arsenal fan, you can just go, how are you feeling? And say they're feeling down. Like, do you think God can help you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm saying that to say, in conversations, you can always just ask, what do you think about church? When was the last time you went to church? What do you think about God? When was the last time you spoke to God? You see, you're asking questions. You started a conversation, you're asking questions. The third thing the evangelist taught me is that when people are answering the questions that you ask them, you must listen to them. Oh, listening is that great skill that is so difficult for all of us. But listening just means that you value the person who is speaking. So as they are telling you, why they haven't been to church in a while, as they're telling you why they don't want to go to church, what you're doing is you're listening. You're listening. And then finally, the evangelist taught me that you must tell the story. Once you've started a conversation, once you've asked questions, once you've listened, and once you hear where their heart is said, once you hear where their pain is said, you tell them the story. Started by telling you that the greatest thing that ever happened to you was the gospel. There was a day where you encountered Christ for the first time and your life was forever changed. There was a day when you came into contact with the God of heaven and he radically changed your life. Now if he can do it for you, then he can do it for the person you're talking to. So sharing the gospel is as simple and as easy as sharing what happened to you. you're looking to get sophisticated and show them that you know a lot sharing the gospel is as simple as telling them that jesus rules and he reigns over everything it's a beautiful story it's a story that we now all have access to i'll never forget a friend of mine at the time who was running our connect group invited me to go to Limpopo with him. I'm originally from there. We were going to Pulukwane. And he was going there to share at a, at, a, at, a, at a school, at a church. And then we get there and he shares the gospel. And later on, they call all these young high school kids. And they ask me to just share the gospel with them and prophesy over them. So I'm sharing the gospel and I start prophesying over this one young guy. I prophesy over him and I, I you know, I, I've learned in the prophetic training that, you know, I'd love on, love on people as much as God does. So as I'm sharing and I'm, I'm just encouraging him, I'm showing him that God loves him and God knows him. 
Now, I remember I said something to the, to, the, to the effect of like, you know, God is going to help you with your metric and you're going to do well. We leave that space, come back to UJ. I'm in ministry. I think I'd been in ministry for about three years at that point. And I'm in one, I'm in one of those low points of ministry where I feel like giving up. And then the guy who had invited me to go with him to, to Pulukwane tells me, hey, go talk to this guy. He's in our church. He serves in our musical team. Go talk to him and see if he will encourage you. So I'm going and I'm talking to this guy. Guess what the guy says? He says, I'm the guy that you prophesied to and you spoke to when I was still in high school. You said, you encouraged me. And I pursued God. I did so well in my matric. I was top of my class because I believed God was on my side. Here I am at university now. And you, I'm at your church. Come on. Now, he later then finished his degree, became a lawyer, and he's just doing great things. But I remember... I was encouraged by the fact that I shared the gospel. When you share the gospel, you don't know how that moment is also going to turn around and bless you. Let's stand up and pray. Can, can I just do this first, right? Are, are there any, are, if, who are the evangelists in the house? The evangelists, just raise your hand up high. Pastor Kero, I'm going to make this a little bit weird, right? I'm going to ask us to, the people who are next to them, please just put your hands on them. If you know you're an evangelist, or you feel the call to be an evangelist, or you want to be an evangelist, like you just want to share the gospel everywhere you go. Uh, please just raise your hand so people can see you. Raise your hand up high so people can see you. Please make sure that you're looking around so that you know who to follow. Who to, go to, who to go and learn from. If you're an evangelist, just raise your hand. Please put your hand on them and let's pray for them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everyone who's called as an evangelist, Lord. Everyone with the gift of evangelism in this house, I thank you. Father, I pray that you would cause the fire that you've placed in them to burn even more, Lord. I pray that they are going to hunger and thirst until they see this whole city saved, Lord. Father, I pray for a deep deposit of hunger in their hearts for souls to get saved. Father, I pray that you would continue to equip them and to grow them, Lord. But Father, I also pray that as they grow, they would pull, pull us along, Father. Father, as they grow, they would bring us along and they would show us and they would teach us. Father, I thank you for a season, for a season of revival, for a season of the evangelists rising up and a season of us following along and finding you and finding people and sharing the gospel. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now I was sharing about how the gospel is a great story. How the moment we got saved forever changed our lives. And we have something to share. But for some of us, 
that moment hasn't happened yet. Or for some of us, that moment did happen, but the way we've been walking right now, it's as though that moment never happened. And as I was sharing, as I was speaking, your heart was speaking to you, your own soul was speaking to you and reminding you that you need to make right with God. You need to come back to who God has called you to be. If you're in this venue, and that's you and God has been speaking to you, may you be as bold as ever before and raise your hand and say, I want to walk with Jesus again. Just raise your hand. I see that hand. If that's you, even in this moment as I'm speaking, you're thinking and you're processing, you're like, I want more. I've been, I've been living below what God has called me to live. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I'm going to ask everybody who raised their hand to just come to the front. saying you're going to go deeper with him I'm going to step down and pray for you let's just stretch out our hands and pray for everyone here Heavenly Father we thank you we thank you for these wonderful ones who are coming before you and saying we want more who are coming before you and saying we want more now please just repeat this prayer after me Lord Jesus I come before you and I acknowledge that I've fallen short of your grace and I'm in need of saving and I believe that you're my savior and I ask you to come and be Lord of my life Amen Amen and Amen uh, Please just follow Can we give Rilla a hand? And last of all, I just want, I want to just speak a blessing over you. Lord God, I just bless this church with opportunity. Lord God, I bless this church, every member here with open doors. Lord God, with favor around them so thick that every time they speak to people, Lord God, those people will hear what they need to hear, Lord God, that the people will be receptive to what they have to say, Lord God. I ask, I bless this, these people with boldness, with confidence, with the knowledge that they are loved beyond their wildest imagination. And as a result, they are bold in everything they do that they share the gospel wherever they go, that they love on people, they start conversations, they invite people to church, Lord God, that they, they impact their communities with the truth of who Jesus is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Give the Lord a hand.